Second Peter chapter number 3, and uh, we're going to start reading again <clears throat> in verse number 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that long-suffering, or that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, <clears throat> unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray, Father. We do thank You for this day and Your blessings. We thank You for the good singing, the congregation, the special tonight. Father, we thank You for those that are here. And God, we know that there's others that would like to be here. And Lord, they're not feeling well. We pray You'll touch them. The others that we don't know why they're not here. But Father, we pray tonight, Lord, that those that are in Your house, we pray a special blessing on them this evening. I pray that You'd help us, Lord, to, to do Your will, to follow the instruction from Your Word tonight. Lord, we pray, Lord, that You'd bring the others back at the next appointed time. We pray that You'd help those that are sick. Lord, we pray that You'd help those that are struggling within themselves. We ask You to do these things. Lord, help the Word of God tonight be real to us this evening. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, I, I kind of struggled a little bit with going on with the thought that I alluded to tonight or just finishing this, uh, this thought from this morning and, uh, about, uh, actually before my little nap, uh, I decided to go on with the message from this morning. And uh, that was entitled Grow in Grace. And just as a recap, we, we talked about what grace is not. We talked about what or what growing in grace is not. But then we talked about what growing in grace is. But tonight I want to deal with the next two points. And that is, what are the evidences of growth? And we do know, again, going back to this morning, that there are um, there are some... Most things that have life in them are going to grow uh, from from the the smallest life form to the largest life form. There is growth. Uh, I remember when I was probably in high school, the the uh, the thought of when life begins came came into the thought of of the public and, and in society and people were arguing about it and I remember it, it kind of coming up in school and things of that sort and 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 I, I could be wrong I, I don't think that I am uh, but to me if if there is uh, if there is life if there is breath or there is blood or there is a heartbeat then the the only the only explanation is that that it is alive and uh, so uh, of course, that was all surrounding the thought of abortion and things of that sort. And they were trying to find out if, if at the moment of conception, is that too early to, to abort the child? Well, the, the issue is uh, that as soon as those two elements meet, 
life sparks into existence. And whether, whether you're an atheist or whether you're a Bible believer, you have to acknowledge that fact. And so life in its, in its elemental form is going to grow. And so as a child of God, we must grow. So what are the evidences of growth? First of all, there is an increase of love. Now, I don't want to get mushy tonight, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse number 12, it talks about the love. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. So this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he says, I love you. He said, but as you grow, I expect you. Now, Paul wasn't considered the pastor of the church, if you will. But I believe, I'm going to look at him as the pastor of the church. He was saying, one thing that I expect from you is that you increase in love. He says, as you grow, I'm going to expect that you love the one across the aisle, the one in front or behind you. You're going to love your brother or your sister, but you're also going to love the one that's outside of the body of believers. You're going to love the one down at the Walmart. You're going to love the one down at the thrift store. You're going to love the one down in the gutter. You're going to have a love, he says, toward one another and toward all men. And I can tell you, there's a lot of people that I do not like. I'm being real. There's a lot of people. I don't like to be around them. I don't like to talk about them. I don't like, I don't even like to hear their names. The scripture teaches me, brother Kenny, that I need to have a love and I need to increase in that love toward all men. So what I do is I find myself confessing when I have those thoughts, brother uh, uh, Jody's son, uh, Kurt, what I do is I find myself with those thoughts, dealing with those thoughts, and I end up finding myself in a closet somewhere, in my prayer time somewhere, and I say, God, I've, I've dealt with this, I, I, and I, I just go to God with it, and I say, I need you to increase my love. And before long, I, I'm not over it, I'm not beyond it, but I end up praying, God help me to love Him more. And that's the way that we, our hearts need to be so there is an increase of love. First Thessalonians four, nine through nine and ten. He says, But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I ride unto you. He said, Y'all love one another pretty good. He said, For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. He said, You love one another, but there's always room for increase. Yeah, and y'all know it just as much as I do. I'm just being real with you tonight. There's personalities going to rub you wrong. Somebody help me right there. And when they do, just get in there with them and rub on them, but love them the more. That's about all. Yes, you're going to get upset. Yes, you're going to wonder. Yes, you're going to grit your teeth. Yes, you're going to go home and put your face in a pillow and scream and bite somebody's head off that ain't even there, but love them. He says, you don't have need that I preach to you about brotherly love, but I beseech you that you love the more. John chapter number 13 verse 35 says this, and this is Jesus saying, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So this evening, we, Jesus Himself, the one that Christianity is named after, tells us that if we are going to be an example of who He is, we must love one another. 
It's how that we know that we have passed from death to life. So what am I dealing with tonight? I'm dealing with what are the evidences of growth. Jesus says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. In 1 John chapter number 3, verse number 14, it's how that we know we've passed from death to life. We know uh, that we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. I've told you this before, that word abide, it means to dwell continually. You're, you're in a bad spot if you have hatred toward a brother. <clears throat> Y'all just bear with me for a minute. This, this scripture just came to my mind. I, I, I need to find it. I believe it's in chapter 5 of Matthew. Y'all can agree or disagree, but I, I, I felt pretty confident about this for some time. Jesus again, He says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. He said, if you come to the altar, and you're, you're wanting to worship me, but you remember that there's an alt between you and a brother, he said, you best get up from the altar, go get it right with him or her, then come back and talk with me. I think there's a lot of folks that are going through the motions, and whoopee, ain't God good, but inside they've got some problems that they need to work out between them and their brother or their sister before they can truly worship God. Next, we see that we are nothing without love. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity. Now, in my Bible, I've got the word charity there, and you'll hear it translated as the word love. But I've got a note in there that the word charity is not the word love, but it is the result of love. And we're talking about an increase of love. And so as love increases, so does its results. And so so does charity. And so, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or as a tinkling cymbal. Now, if there's one thing I can't stand is to hear all the time. We Angela Nim's not here, but we went to her band... What's that thing called? Rehearsal? Recital? Or something like that? And, that, you know, they were doing all their horns and their French horns and their oboes and their, all that other kind of stuff. And man, I was, I was digging it. And all of a sudden in the back, some dude got up and said, I was ready to go. It just hurt my ears. I said, I can't handle it. He said, I, I, because if I don't have charity, he said, I'm just sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. He said, and though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Without love for the brethren, without love for this world, we are nothing. 
So there's an increase of love, but there's also an increase of faith. Second Thessalonians chapter number one, verse number three. It says, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. He said, your faith groweth exceedingly. I've told you about things that have happened to my family recently. Even if those things haven't happened. Over the last several years, our faith has grown exceedingly. I have, and I'm not going to testify for anybody, but Brother Kurt testified this morning about something I feel, would you agree, miraculous that happened. In spite of your mistake, God's working something out. Would you agree with that, Leah? Miraculous. Reckon why. It could be to grow your faith exceedingly. It could be for that little boy sitting next to you to see the fact that there's a light dangling on the inside that y'all are struggling to fix, but now through the hand of God and by God's people and the prayers of His saints, God's going to fix it. It could be that it has nothing to do with you, but it might be something to to strengthen Camden's faith 10, 15, 20 years from now. When he says, you know what, I remember when. (laughs) You see, so... When, when, when we're looking for evidences of growth in Christ, there is an, there is an increase of faith. And I'll tell you, every morning that we get up, it should increase our faith. Not that, not that we should breathe a sigh of relief and say, oh, I made it another day. That, that's not what I'm saying. We should be thankful for another day, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't, I, that kind of is, is Rabbit's kind of gone, but but we shouldn't be saying, "Whew, I made it another day." But we should be saying, "Lord, thank you for for this day." Now, because you've given me this day, let me build upon it. Let me do something upon. It. And when you get to the end of that day, now look back and you see the blessings. Okay, I got up. I went to work and I left this house that God's given me. I went to the car that God gave me. I went to the job that God gave me. I ate supper at the table that God gave me. I ate the food that God gave me with the family that God gave me. And I'm now sleeping in the bed that God gave. And so every step that you take throughout your day, let it build your faith. Whether you get a check in the mail or not, whether you get a good phone call or not, every moment of your life can be something to build your faith. Even if you get a phone call that's got detrimental news, it can still be something to build your faith. There's also an increase of knowledge of God. First, or Colossians chapter number one, verse number ten. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I'll say this, you, you can just about ask me, and, and I'm not boasting and I'll probably forget, just to be honest with you, because I'm just that way. 
But you could probably ask me, hey, I've got a stain in my rug at the house. How can I get that out? And I've got a series of questions that I'm going to ask you. Well, what what is the stain? Do you know? How long has it been there? What's the rug made out of? What have you tried? All of those things. And then I'm going to say, well, you should try this. And the reason I have that knowledge is because of the how long, 13 years that I was in that industry learning how to clean things and selling chemicals and processes to clean things. And so Colossians says here that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So every single day that we live, we ought to be pleasing God. But as we are pleasing God, we are gleaning knowledge from Him through Him and by Him. And so as such, the next day we're more knowledgeable than we were the day before. Samuel, I, I don't know how long y'all dated before you got married. I think I said the other day y'all have only been married a year, but it's been two and a half years now, I think. Um, you dated probably a couple of years, I guess. Maybe 12, I don't know. <clears throat> but at some point, you, you got familiar with the, with Brother David's business. Started working there. Before that, you probably didn't know. If you ask anybody, well, Brother David builds truck bed. You probably get that a lot. Well, you build truck bed. There's probably a lot more that you do than just build truck bed. You wouldn't have known that, but you do now. One, because you're part of the process. But two, because every day you go down there, you're in the process. You see it going from material to finished product. You're gaining knowledge. The same way. Kurt, I've asked you several things of how you do things. I thought when you worked at Parker's Heating and Air, I thought you knew how to fix my air conditioner. I found out that you didn't pay attention. (laughs) You may only work there a day and a half. I have no idea. But you know what you did? You rumped me. So when I have questions about building stuff, I don't ask you. I ask Joe to your gym. (laughs) You see, when if, if you're if you're wanting knowledge, you're going to get knowledge. James chapter number one, verse number five, I believe it is. If if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. So he is not going to hold back that wisdom if you ask for it. It's also going to give you a, a greater desire. I'm going to use this word, and y'all hear me well. It's going to give you a greater desire for holiness in your life. If we're not careful, we'll get holier than thou. And we'll carry ourselves like we're better than everybody. And you may as well just nip it in the bud, find an altar, and just just stay there until you get that out of your system. Because you're not holier than the next person. You may be, but if you think you are, you're not. Does that make sense? Kaylee, you may be holier than I am. You may have a better prayer life and a better Bible reading uh, schedule or whatever than I do. And you're, you may be a, leading a cleaner life than I am. But when you think that you are holier than I am, you're not. 
But if we're going to grow, we've got to have a desire for holiness. Philippians 3.13 Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do. Forgetting not those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. My daddy, he not in reference to this, but he always told me, he said, don't forget where you're from and never get too big for your britches. Remember who you are. I don't remember who it was, but there's been a lot of times that I've despised my daddy. I regret every single time. I wish I could go back and, and I ne- never in front of anybody. It was all me. It was all me. It was all in a, in a, in a closed room or it was all out in the woods or out in the yard. And, and I, I would just say, I would just say horrible things about him. It breaks my heart that I would even say those things now. But he would say, Brother David, remember who you are. I think we could say it like this. Remember whose you are. You do remember who you are, but you need to remember whose you are. You are Kurt Russell, but you are Jody Russell's son. You are Kurt Russell, but you are God's son. And if, if you, you may forget who you are, but if you ever forget whose you are, you've done messed up. We need to live a life of holiness. We need to have a desire to be more holy. And that may look differently to different people. And, and it may be hard for us to understand here we are in 2024 and we think, well, this is, we're really relaxed and, and we're, we're conservative, but we don't have to be so staunch in our stand and we don't have to be so dogmatic in our beliefs. But can I tell you today, I still believe the book. I still believe we need to seek out the old paths and we need to walk Therein, we need to stand in those old ways. We need to find those things that are old that have worked for so many years and live in those things and quit trying all the new ways. And we can make arguments one way or the other, but I'm still going to stick with this. Lastly, we look at this. What are the means? that God used to help us grow in grace. So, I'll rephrase it. How does God help us grow in grace? Well, He uses His Word. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. In, in my notes, I have this, and I've tried my best to... to to reconcile this statement with another statement that I learned some time ago that, and, and this is one of those statements that you, you probably may remember, may not, but it's really not going to make that much of a difference. We are the only mammal that continues to drink milk after infancy. That may not mean a whole lot to you. It really doesn't to me. I just find it interesting. But there are, there are some people that are allergic to, to milk in its normal form with, with cow's milk and things like that. But there are some folks that they cannot live without it. The vitamins, the nutrients of that. And so 
they crave those things. But remember, we're talking about growing spiritually. In the Bible, typically when we talk about the milk, we're talking about those basic things, those basic doctrines of God's Word. And so, I will give you this statement. You're never going to outgrow your need for the milk. You're always going to have to be settled, reminded on the basics of God's Word. Brother Jim, I need to hear from you. Talking about the basics of God's Word, the foundational truths of God's Word. Brother Jim, if your foundation is messed up, the whole house is going to get messed up. Is that right? Say amen real loud. I don't know what he said, but I'm taking it. I think you said amen. If that foundation is messed up, it, it may look good. It may actually be okay for a while. But somewhere along the line, it's going to start cracking and leaning. Hey, I'm going to help you. Go ahead. I'm not picking on Roscoe. I promise. It's, I'm crazy. I know I am. I admit it. I need to be on pills. But Brother Dean said, you don't need to be on pills. But I think I need to be on pills. <clears throat> what was I saying? How much? Foundation. Brother Jody, I think it was you. Maybe working on something. And you were trying your best to get, get a, a remodel done. Everything was out of square. And you had to, if I'm not mistaken, I got this story straight. You had to take it all the way down and start fresh at the foundation because the foundation was off. If your foundation is off, if you don't have the basics, if you are not settled on the milk, then the other things, they're gonna, what they're gonna do, if you're not settled, what they're gonna do is these other things in verse number 16 and verse number 17, you're gonna be led away with the error. You're gonna fall from your own steadfastness. That's what's gonna happen. Let's go on. You never outgrow your need for milk. Now, Peter and Paul both, Paul in 1 Corinthians and Peter here in 1 and 2 Peter talked about these carnal believers. And these carnal believers essentially is, is they focused on the basics, on the milk, and they never got anything else. Not only did they never get anything else, they never wanted, they never had a desire for anything else. That's not the way a Christian, a child of God should be. That's why they called them a carnal believer. They called them immature believers. You may need milk, but there's much more to God's Word than just the basics. One thing that, that I've done, and I've been very public with this, one thing that, that I have done is 
because of my own mind, you know, there's some, some men, some preachers, some teachers. I think Brother David is like this. He has a mind where he can... Brother David, I think you have a mind better than mine. Amen. You have a mind that you can understand certain things. And I can when it's presented in, in a certain way. But just to be able to read it sometimes, man, I, I, don't, I don't get that. It don't make no sense. And so, the book of Revelation. I, I've been preaching for 30 years. I've never preached through the book of Revelation. I've preached certain things. I've taught certain things from the book of Revelation. But there's so much meat in the book of the Revelation. There's so much meat in many of the epistles or many of the the prophets that would help the church. But because of its, I want you to take this with a grain of salt, because of its confusing nature... And possibly, and I'm, I'm speaking of myself, possibly my own desire to stay on the milk rather than get on the meat. And possibly because of my mentality thinking the people cannot handle this, I've shied away from it. But I told you this morning, God's impressed my heart that it's time to grow. And so we gotta get in deeper water. We gotta get a little bit further into this thing. Does that mean we're gonna get in Revelation? I don't know. Does that mean we're gonna start studying Daniel's 70th week? I don't know. But whatever God leads, that's where we gotta go, whether we're scared to death or not. But the fact remains, if we're just, if we're just Pilling around with the milk, then we're all going to be carnal and immature Christians the rest of our days. And what's going to happen is, we're going to wind up in Revelation chapter number 3 or chapter number 4, and God's going to see a Laodicean church, and we're neither cold and we're neither hot, and God's going to spew us out of His mouth. I'm almost done. He uses the Word of God. He uses trouble. He uses experience to allow us to grow. Next, He uses private devotional life. If you'll notice, this year I've not provided a Bible reading plan. I've given you the opportunity. If you want a Bible reading plan to go by, feel free to ask. I'll be happy to email it to you. You can put it on your smartphone. It'll pop up every day. I'll print it off for you. If you want one, it's fine. I've got a podcast where it reads to you every day. If you want that, I'll send you the link. That's fine. But a lot of people have asked me over the last several weeks and months leading up to the new year, typically when people start wanting to read their Bible more, and they'll they'll say things like, I really don't have time to sit down and read three to seven or eight chapters a day in order to read. I've never read my Bible through. Or I've read my Bible through you know, several times, but really didn't get anything out of it. I'm going to tell you where I stand on it, okay? And y'all listen to me quickly. I don't, I'm not one of those, and I grew up with preachers that says, if you don't read your Bible through every year, you're a heathen. That's the type of people that, that I grew up with. 
And I'm not going to disagree with them, but I would heap rather y'all read your Bible, maybe a chapter or a portion of Scripture every single day, and be able to grasp it, enjoy it, comprehend it, and chew on it all day, than to try to rush through it at 6 o'clock in the morning or get out of bed and say, oh my goodness, I forgot to read. And you look at the plan that says, hey, law, i got 111 verses i got to go through. And get up and, and you just... And you don't get nothing out of it. Because when you get to Revelation, at the end of Revelation, you're going to realize, you know, I just spent 300 this year 366 days and I might have got nothing out of this whole thing. So I would rather you read just even a verse, even a portion of a chapter every day. Maybe you even read it a couple times a day. And focus on that and truly grasp it. And then at the end of the year, you say, you know, I really, I really enjoyed reading my Bible this year. Have you, did you read through it? Probably not. But did you read more than last year? Probably. Did you learn more than last year? Absolutely. He uses our private devotional line. We bought, Lori and I bought uh, our girls a a teenage girls devotion, devotional book. And uh, it's about the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, I've encouraged them nearly every day to read it. And um, I, I thought, because... Normally a devotion is, is every day, but come find out it's, it's more of a group thing, so it's, um, it's, it's weekly lessons. And so Brayla and I were looking at it the other night, and, and I said, well, you don't have to do one a week, but you could still break it up, and you do maybe a page or two on Monday, a page or two on Tuesday, and so on and so forth. If you get done with it early, so, so be it. No, no big deal. At least you're taking time, you're reading a scripture, you're reading a little lesson, and, and that'll help you. And so, again, I, I, I echo what I said. As long as you're spending some time around God's Word and reading something that, that God has breathed, it's gonna help you. It is gonna help you. And so God will allow you to grow through this. He uses public worship. He uses service to help you grow. Now I'm not gonna speak for Miss Denise and her family. Uh, and, and, and I couldn't even tell you how long they've been cleaning the church. I, I couldn't tell you who's cleaned the church over the many years. But, but something like cleaning the church, something like working in the church or around the church, it, it may go unnoticed, but God, if you do that in the right spirit, God will allow that to help you grow. He'll, He'll allow you to, to grow in that because it, it, it's, in our flesh, it is about the pat on the back. You want some, man, the, 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 the carpet looks good. The pews look good. The song books, they're, they're, they're nice and neat. Everything looks nice and neat. That's what our flesh wants. But the Holy Spirit is saying, you know, nobody has said a thing, but I want you to know that I know. You know, we, we hire out our, our yard work, but I notice when the yard looks nice in the, and matter of fact, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but somebody put down um, pine straw in the thing. Now, I don't know where it came from. Don't know who did it, but praise the Lord. It looks wonderful. Every once in a while, they'll 
they'll trim the hedges out there. Man, it looks wonderful. Now, we pay them money for that. And I don't know how this works. But it might be that Gurley and them get a heavenly pat on the back somehow or another. Just because making the house of God look so nice. Serving. But then worshiping. You know, one of the most demeaning things, but one of the most blessed things is worshiping God. The reason it's so demeaning is because sometimes you're doing it all by yourself. We were in a church several um, several weeks ago, back in maybe September, October, something like that. And this was during the day, and I was sitting on the left-hand side of the church. Big old thing. It was three sets of pews. And I was sitting over there. Man, somebody was up there singing. I couldn't tell you who was singing right now. And, man, God got on me, and I stood up. and Woo! And there was nobody else. And it was one of those, Miss Tanya, I thought, man, everybody ought to be shouting. Especially knowing who was there. Well, I sat down, and it got, I guess, to the favorite part. And then everybody else started shouting. Well, I wasn't really blessed then. I done had my blessing. Maybe they were shouting on emotionalism. I don't know, but I got the real thing. But sometimes you do that and you just, well, I just missed it. Or I feel about that small. But God will reward you when you worship and when you serve Him. God will help you to grow. Then He uses the fellowship of believers. Our needs oftentimes are met by others. And I'm not talking about Giving one another things. Sometimes our spiritual needs. Talking about growing spiritually. Sometimes maybe hunting. Or maybe working around a car. Or maybe at a job somewhere. Maybe some of you ladies getting together doing something. Some of those spiritual things come up. Maybe a struggle that you're dealing with. And then you find out you're not alone. Somebody else is going through the same thing. Maybe they just went through it or maybe they're going through it now. Maybe they have no idea what you're talking about, but because you're going through it, you're helping them because they're liable to go through it next time. So God allows the fellowship of believers to help us grow, to encourage one another. To hold one another accountable. If there's something that's missing in our independent Baptist churches, it's holding one another accountable. Here's the reason why we don't hold one another accountable. Because everybody thinks everybody else is being judgmental. So we keep our sins secret. And if we're struggling with some sin, we can't... We can't get beyond the fact, well, they're going to think I'm horrible, so I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm just going to deal with this by myself. And you end up getting deeper and deeper and deeper in this thing instead of going to a brother or to a... You men go to a brother. You women go to a sister in Christ who has a relationship with God, who is a godly woman or a godly man, and get some help, some prayer. It's not going to go running all over town. And hold one another accountable. If somebody comes to you that way, don't go, I'm talking to everybody, but instead talk to him about it. And then get them on the phone and hold them accountable. 
Talk to them. Text them. How are you doing today? How are things going? Are you alright? Have your feet slipped? Has your hands slipped? Have your eyes wandered? What's going on? Talk to me. Tell me about it. I'm praying for you. I'm holding you accountable. That's how we grow. Let's come with a song of invitation. I, I, I know, I know, I don't want an invitation, Brother David. I want a song. I want a special song. I don't even care what it is. I don't. But I want to ask you tonight, are you growing? If you're not growing, you remember I talked about those, those infants. If you take that little baby of yours to the doctor, and they stay the same size, and they never grow, that doctor's going to get concerned. Spiritually, if you never grow, you're the same day in, day out, year to year. You know no more than you knew last year. You have no more spiritual discernment than you had last year. You have no more faith. You have no more strength, spiritually speaking, than you did last year. You have a problem. And only God is the answer. And before you can, and I'm not, I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions. I'm talking about, I'm talking about growing in grace. So put, put the resolutions out. If, if you need to grow, the only one that can help you grow is God. And a good first step is to come to this altar and say, God, I've been the same. And I need you to change me. Let's stand.